This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. For us, it's really important that we see the identity of the herb. We bring it into our facility and we grind it ourselves. Once it's ground, then we soak it in a a mixture of water and alcohol, and that's how we get the extract out of the herb. All the medicinal benefits are taken from the herb itself and put into the liquid extract. We press the extract out and we have our final product. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn about the natural approach to health and your immunity. We'll find out how to achieve a proper sleep position. We'll discuss summer drink alternatives. And lastly, we'll hear all about taking yoga outside the studio. But first, a little bit of business. St. Francis Herb Farm is a leading herbal company that is 100% Canadian-owned and family-run in the Ottawa Valley for over 30 years. St. Francis Herb Farm is obsessed with plant medicine. Their holistic approach includes only certified organic and well-crafted herbs. Processes learned over decades get the most out of the herbs, and leveraging science ensures the highest quality. The foundation for their well-made plant medicine. St. Francis Herb Farm is well-known and trusted for their wildly popular Deep Immune that can help you fend off flus and colds, as well as a full range of natural health and wellness products for the whole family. To learn more, visit stfrancisherbfarm.com or follow them on Instagram or Facebook. Caitlin Rivette Karnak is the Chief Operating Officer of St. Francis Herb Farm. Her passion for natural health, wellness, and plant medicine attracted her to her life partner and business partner, Paul Rivette Karnak, the company's Chief Executive Officer, whose family started St. Francis Herb Farm. A busy mom of three young boys under the age of six, Caitlin blends the joys of rural family life with the responsibilities of maintaining an herb farm operation. Working closely with her husband and complemented by her gentle way and knack for engaging those around her, she's the driving force helping to evolve the company. She has a steady and focused commitment to preserve the qualities that have helped make St. Francis Herb Farm an admired and trusted company for decades. Caitlin works to empower people to their wellness journey through education and effective plant medicine. And for more information about Caitlin, you can visit stfrancisherbfarm.com. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Jamie. It's great to be here. Yeah, you know, I've been in the industry, gosh, since 2007. So so I know all about your in-laws and the work that they've done (laughs) and the fantastic company that St. Francis Herb Farm is. But for those who don't know... Talk a bit about the company and, and what it does and how it's evolved. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, St. Francis Herb Farm, we've been around for about 30 years, actually. So a little little longer than you have, Jamie. Yeah. But um, yeah, started 30 years ago by my in-laws, and it really came out of an extension of their life. Um, they were herbalists, they were farmers, and they loved working with herbs, and they knew the medicinal benefits, and they really wanted to bring these beautiful products to more people. So that's really how the business started. They had uh, a large farm that they were growing the herbs and making tinctures, which are basically a herbal extract, a liquid herbal extract. And they started by selling directly to naturopathic doctors and uh, farmers markets. And that was really the origins of, of the business. 
now we're in, in health food stores across Canada. Right. And they're very well regarded among the industry. I mean, you have to sort of be in the industry to know that, but they're very well respected for the work that they do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's my husband's parents and they're a wealth of knowledge. Paul and I took over the business from them about five years ago. They're still quite involved with product ideation and formulation and giving us a hand. But Paul and I are, are kind of taking the reins as a second generation now. So what people don't appreciate is, you know, there, there are lots of uh, natural herbal remedy companies in Canada and, of course, across North America. And there's lots of great companies out there, but there are very few that actually grow their own herbs on their own farm. And I think that's what kind of sets you apart from everybody else. So why don't we talk a bit about the farm, like what it's like and where it is and all the great stuff about growing herbs? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we really are proud of our uh, seed-to-shelf story. And it's something, yeah, we we're pride ourselves in and, and we see as a very integral part of our business. We have a 50-acre farm in the Ottawa Valley, and we grow uh, various different herbs there. Right now we have nettle, calendula, uh, photolaca. I'm just trying to think of all the herbs that we have growing now. But to be honest, we also source some of our herbs from other growers sure. in Ontario and Quebec. We're not able to grow them all ourselves. But that seed-to-shelf story of really knowing the integration of where our herbs are coming from is a very important part of how we make our products. We've had uh, relationships with other herb farmers, like I said, in Ontario and Quebec for, for many years. And we've always sourced certified organic herbs all along the way. So why is it important to you to know where the herbs are coming from? Why is that so relevant? Yeah, then it's something like that is a, a legacy piece that we've taken in from Monique and Jeremy, the founders of St. Francis Herb Farm, but really is the quality of a herb and how it is grown is going to be the quality of a final product. And we've always had very high sourcing parameters, I guess you could say. There are many herbs on the market. You can find a herb that you know, was grown five years ago and be very cheap to buy, but we will only source herbs that have been grown in the last six months. We only source certified organic herbs and herbs that are grown um, in the last six months, that were harvested in the last six months. So yeah, like, like I said, the quality of a herb and how it is grown, the soil quality and the care of that herb will make a better final product. And that's something we really value all the way through. So are you involved in the actual cultivation? Are you out in the field? I do a little bit. Yeah, we have a couple of people that are on staff with us that help us on the herb farm. But especially in the early days when we are you know, planting the seeds in our greenhouse and then transplanting them into plug trades, all that process is a lot of work. So I get my hands in there and I really like to get my hands dirty, as does Paul. So let's talk a bit about the work. So like, what kind of work is involved in growing an organic herb? Yeah, you know, it starts early on. It starts way back in March where we source our herbs from, uh, again, from certified organic uh, sources. And then we plant the seeds. It takes about three weeks or so, depending on the herb, for it to start to sprout. And once it's a, a healthy size, when they say that the best time to transplant is when you have the second pair of leaves, like the true leaves, and then we can transplant into bigger trays, plug trays. These herb seeds are small. They're like, I don't know if you've done uh, much gardening yourself, but, you know, carrot seeds could be very, very tiny. Yeah. Herb seeds, 
many of the herbs that we're growing are very tiny and it, it takes a lot of precision and a lot of care and intention for them to get growing. So once they're in plug trays, again, it's a, another few weeks before they can be transplanted into the field. That's kind of the process from there. Cool. Let's go to the other end of the process. So sure. once you've cultivated, how does the extraction and formulation process work? And I know that's an important step in the whole process. Yes, certainly. Once we harvest a herb, we'll either, you know, harvest the roots or we'll harvest the aerial tops, depending on where the medicinal benefits are. And uh, we'll bring that to our facilities where we grind the herb and we make an extraction out of it, um, like I said earlier, called a tincture. So, you know, a lot of companies will bring in herbs that are already pre-ground, but for us, it's really important that we see the identity of the herb. We bring in our herb as full as proper, like we call it cut and sifted, or or like I said, from our farm, we're able to bring it in whole form, whether it's the top, uh, the roots. We bring it into our facility and we grind it ourselves. Once it's ground, then we soak it in a, a mixture of water and alcohol, and that's how we get the extract out of the herb. So um, it soaks for about three weeks where we every day we're stirring it and that process is called maceration and once it's well macerated and all the medicinal benefits are taken from the herb itself and put into the liquid extract, we press the extract out and we have our final product and we, we bottle it as well at our own facility and then we can uh, sell it direct to the consumer or to health food stores. And one of your more well-known products deals with immunity, which is, of course, important to everybody right now. So let's talk about the formulation and, and what that product's all about. Yeah, Deep Immune. It's our number one seller, and it's widely known in Canada. Deep Immune is full of adaptogen herbs, adaptogenic herbs. They've been kind of getting a little bit of airtime recently. This is a, a certain type of herb that helps your body to adapt to life stresses, really. So whether you have an overactive immune system or underactive, adaptogens will help you to adapt. So Deep Immune has astragalus, licorice, reishi, which are all great herbs to help you adapt and help your immune system create that balance. So it's, yeah, it's been around for about 15 years and it's widely loved. And, you know, the way that we kind of view our immune approach is is twofold. And we've kind of, the way we, we like to talk about it at St. Francis is that we have this seed strategy and pun intended. <laughs> so we look at it like this, like seed stands for, the S is for sleep and de-stress. E is for eating well and supplement. The second E is for exercise, and the D is to defend with herbs. So this really aligns with our immune system in that, you know, we need to have that proactive approach in all these things and seed, the sleep, eating well, exercise, and defending ourselves with herbs can be done proactively. And we really see deep immune as part of that proactive approach in, in balancing your immune system and having a healthy, boosted immune system through plant medicine. So you were probably not with the company when that product was developed, but how do you guys decide how you're going to formulate like a new product and, and how do you make a, like that was for immune. So what's the process in developing products? That That's an interesting 
sort of area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, um, you know, again, Deep Immune would have really come out of my father-in-law, Jeremy, and we also have a naturopath on staff, Dr. Terry Vander Hayden, who is well-regarded in herbalism in our industry. The two of them would have, have worked together in formulating Deep Immune. But it really is, you know, looking at needs. I know there's a lot of stories behind a lot of our products. That yeah. It really came out of a family need. Uh, another family favorite is called uh, Lymph Tonic. It just went through a name change. It used to be called Lapranol, actually. Well, anything with the tonic name, as long as you're not impinging my copyright, sounds good to me. Yeah, right. (laughs) No, Lymph Tonic, it really came out of, you know, sorry, my husband, Paul, was sick. He was probably about eight or nine years old. And, you know, when he gets sick, his his first symptom is that he has swollen lymph nodes. And uh, he had a bit of a fever and these swollen lymph nodes. And his parents were like, we're going to formulate something. So they went to their kitchen and found all the herbs and made something to help his lymph drain out. And that's how lymph tonic was was made. So it really is, like I said from the beginning, it's it's been an evolution of, of how our products are made and how, yeah, we meet the needs as they arise. So it's really, uh, you know, necessity sort of being the motherhood of invention, I guess, yeah? That's right, that's right. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We'd love to have you back another time and maybe you can discuss sort of how you've been working with Health Canada to sort of look at organics and how it all fits into the big picture with herbal remedies. Will you do that? Yes, certainly. Sounds great. That was Caitlin Rivette Karnak. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss summer drink alternatives on the tonic. St. Francis Herb Farm is a leading herbal company that is 100% Canadian-owned and family-run in the Ottawa Valley for over 30 years. St. Francis Herb Farm is obsessed with plant medicine. Their holistic approach includes only certified organic and well-crafted herbs. Processes learned over decades get the most out of the herbs, and leveraging science ensures the highest quality. The foundation for their well-made plant medicine. St. Francis Herb Farm is well-known and trusted for their wildly popular Deep Immune that can help you fend off flus and colds, as well as a full range of natural health and wellness products for the whole family. To learn more, visit stfrancisherbfarm.com or follow them on Instagram or Facebook. Are you stressed out? Feel exhausted? Having trouble sleeping? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplements to help take the edge off, relax, and sleep better. Discover de-stress, chill pills, and sleep aid from New Roots Herbal. Natural ingredients and guaranteed purity for a better day and a restful night. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. For more information, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. Talking dirty. Brought to you by the new antimicrobial mattress from Ultramatic. Sleep apnea, arthritis and back pain. I've been with all of them and I'm ready for relief. Find your ultimate sleep position in an Ultramatic adjustable lifestyle bed. This has been me talking dirty. Receive $550 off any Ultramatic adjustable base this month only. Learn more at ultramatic.ca. Then try it in Ontario's safest mattress store at Lawrence and Bathurst. Ultramatic, elevate your sleep. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Adar Shah nurtured the rise of Ultramatic, the iconic Canadian brand of adjustable beds and maker of delightful wellness products. He received his bachelor's degree in engineering at Cornell University, graduating magna cum laude in 1999. After graduation, Adarsh joined the Monitor Group, a Cambridge-based strategy consulting company. 
He worked for them in Toronto, New York, and Mumbai offices on various corporate strategy, market entry, and merger and acquisition projects. He's a proud Torontonian, having lived here for over 30 years, albeit with a few adventurous years in New York and in between. He's the father of two mischievous girls and a caregiver to his happy, healthy, and wine-loving parents. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks, Jamie. So I have to admit, I wanted you back on the show because I got a problem, and I think you're the man to help me with it. And that is, I'm having some trouble sleeping because I tend to overdo it when I exercise. And some of the sleep positions I'm finding myself in, I'm just not getting a restful sleep. Can you help me with that today? Absolutely. It happens. We get into doing something that's out of our routine sometimes, and we just need to adjust a little bit. Right. I don't think people think about sleep enough. I mean, it's something, you know, like if you pause and think about it, a third of our lives should be or is consumed with sleep. But what do we really know about sleep? Well, sleep has been with us from the beginning of time, because as, as humans, it's always been an important part of restoring physical and mental health. Yep. But you know, back when there was no electricity and it was dark at night, our prehistoric ancestors, they used to go to bed soon after dusk and wake up when the sun rose. Mm-hmm. That's how you know it was back then. And then in the Middle Ages is when people started becoming more aware of sleep at sanitation and, and comfort. They started raising their beds off the ground and stuffing their mattress with things like straw and feathers. Right. But then those were lumpy and then, you know, maybe not the best for your physique or your muscles or your bone or rest. And then things move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now, you know, the technology that goes into sleep is enormous that, you know, we can talk about that on another day. So we sleep on flat surfaces and, and I've been known and my wife will attest to this. I can fall asleep on concrete. If I'm tired, I can pretty much sleep anywhere. But that's not the same for everybody. We need a good flat surface, yeah? You know what? Bats sleep upside down. Horses and (laughs) elephants sleep standing up. Yeah. We sleep horizontal. Yeah. And the reality of it is that pretty much it was convenient. We slept on a flat surface and we've always slept on a flat surface pretty much because it was convenient. Not necessarily because it's best for us, but because it was convenient. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and you know, people have experimented with other kind of sleeping positions. As far back as 8000 BC, archaeologists have discovered sleeping nests or beds that were circular. So this suggests that they like to sleep in a fetal position with their knees bent and tucked in, which is really interesting. So sort of on your side, but like with a nest, you wouldn't be able to stretch out. You would be forced to sleep like that the entire time. That's right. So, you know, but the reality is that people just slept flat on a flat surface because that's the easiest thing they could find. You don't sell any nests, do you? You don't, you're not selling the sleeping nests, are you? <laughs> no, no, but I've seen some baby infant cribs which are designed like nests, which oh. are really quite cool. I suppose that makes sense. So is there a proper position for us to sleep in? Yes, and that's what we call the zero gravity position. This is where your feet and head are raised higher than your heart. And that's done to enable optimal blood flow. If your feet are higher than your heart, then blood can flow back to your heart. And if your head's higher than your heart, your blood can flow back to your heart after it's pumped out. This reduces strain on your heart. It enables you to reduce your heart rate easier and ultimately fall asleep faster because that's how we fall asleep, by reducing our heart rate. Okay, so that seems counterintuitive to me. If your head is higher elevated than your heart and your feet is too, doesn't your heart have to work harder to get the blood to those extremities? Our heart's designed to pump. 
So it pumps, pumps, pump, but it's not necessarily designed to bring blood back to the heart. Ah. So we need gravity to help bring that blood back to our heart. Okay, so that's why people sleep, I guess, on pillows, right? Your head is elevated a bit, and that allows the blood flow from your brain to your heart, I guess, right? Yes, but the pillow is also it serves another purpose. What's that? And the pillow is almost like a bed for your neck. We sometimes forget that, you know, when we look for a mattress or we look at sleeping well, we are always thinking about our back, and rightly so. Yeah. But we often forget that our neck also is this curved piece of our spine that needs support, and that's where the pillow plays a critical role. I didn't realize that. But most beds are not designed for the feet to be higher up than the heart, though. Aren't they pretty much flat? That's right. Most mattresses are designed as flat surfaces. Right, yeah. But if you have the opportunity to purchase an adjustable bed or try an adjustable bed, that enables you to bend that mattress into various positions so that you can raise your back, your feet, and some adjustable beds will allow you to also adjust your neck position and lumbar position as well. Huh. Okay. So let's talk a bit about positions. Are you a back sleeper, side sleeper, or front sleeper? What do you do? I start off as a uh, back sleeper. Really? Okay. We're getting personal here. But yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> people want to know. <laughs> but I end up, you know, going from my side to my back. So if I haven't adjusted my bed properly, I find myself moving around from those two positions. You know, I'm all over the place. I can't sleep on my back because when I used to carry extra weight, I was a snorer. And there's just that residual effect. Even though I'm not as heavy as I used to be, when I sleep on my back, I tend to snore. But 100%. I, 100%. My wife gives me the same nudge. That's usually the trigger that sends me over to my side. And so I was about to say, <laughs> so now I'm a side sleeper or even a front sleeper. And part of the difficulty now is, you know, I'm doing a lot of rowing. And, you know, the exercise I tend to do is very hard on the hips. So I find in the middle of the night, you know, like I've got some hip pain and I've got to move. Maybe I'm sleeping on my stomach or a different side position. And I think I'm moving a lot. I think a lot of people do, too. Should we be concerned about whether we're on our side or back or our front? You know, it's not something to be concerned about. No, I mean, everyone, you, you want to try to get the most sleep as you can. That's the most important thing. Reduce the tossing and turning and try to get yourself into a position where your back and your neck are not working through the night. The muscles are not working through the night. You know, one of the biggest reasons why people get back pain is because the small of their back is arched up and is not filled in or supported. So those muscles are firing all night trying to support that arch. And that's why you'll wake up in the middle of the night with a sore back because your muscles have been working all night. Does that happen when you're on your side and your front as well? Or is that just a function of when you're on your back, there isn't that support? When you're on your side, you'll start to notice it more on your hips yeah. and on your neck. Yeah, exactly. That's where your muscles are probably trying to support your hip and neck muscles a little bit more. I personally prefer a firmer mattress. You know, obviously there's tons of extra padding out there for people who prefer more of a soft mattress. Do you find that there's a difference in sleep quality, whether it's a hard or soft mattress? Does that make a difference? Yes. With a soft mattress, if you are light in weight, you may be fine. You may have the right support. Yeah. However, if you are heavier set, a soft mattress is going to compress in that middle portion of that mattress. And, you know, in that lumbar region, that's critical that you don't sink too far in that area and that you have extra support. So extra support helps with back pain. What about neck pain? You mentioned the pillows. Is there anything else we should be concerned about to help with neck pain or avoiding neck pain? 
neck pain, as we said, is 100% just as important as supporting your back. You know, you spend all day holding your head up, taking the stress of today's times, so it's important to give it the right attention at night. Now, one of the features you can find on certain beds is this feature called a pillow tilt, and that enables you to raise your head and support your neck so that it's not working all night. Okay. It really helps to take the tension off your neck and shoulders and just allows you to wake up more refreshed. Do you advocate for memory foam? Do you find that that's helpful to get a restful sleep and avoid pain? Yes. Memory foam is a fantastic sleep surface, and it's really developed over the years. It was first developed by NASA when they started using it in their rocket ships to go out into space. Really? Because these seats could absorb pressure. You know, they could absorb pressure and conform to the shape of the astronaut's body. So that same technology is used in, in the mattress, and it really transformed pressure-relieved sleep. It really was a fantastic material. However, it had one major drawback. It would absorb body heat. Yes. The cells of memory foam were these uh, closed-cell air bubbles. And as your know, body heat would warm up the mattress, that hot air would stay trapped in those air bubbles. So today's newest memory foam technology is more of an open-cell structure of foam, allows that air to get dissipated. And we are now infusing memory foam with different materials which are less temperature sensitive, materials like gel or graphite or even copper. Okay. So we've talked about the various types of product that are out there. Do you have any tips for avoiding back or neck pain? Absolutely. One of the biggest things is raising your feet. If you can find a way to raise your feet, it allows you to shift your body weight and it brings your body weight to our weight-bearing muscle, what I like to call our weight-bearing muscle, our buttocks. Yep. Our buttocks can really take on that weight and then that will help to reduce back pain. To reduce neck pain, try to find to raise your head and support it. And that means sometimes finding the right pillow with the right height and the right firmness level so it holds your neck with just the right amount of support. And I would imagine an adjustable bed would sort of solve both problems. If you could raise both the top and the bottom of the bed, that would help with the proper position. Yeah. Absolutely. With a push of a button, you can customize where your legs are and where your neck is supported very easily and adjust it from night to night, you know, depending on whether you've had a a long rowing exercise routine or whether you had a hike or whatever it might be. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We look forward to hearing back from you again soon. Thank you very much, Jimmy. That was Adar Shah. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss summer drink alternatives on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. And now, time for Pure Beauty. Learn all about holistic skincare and health featuring chemical-free ingredients. Here's naturopathic doctor and co-founder of Pure and Simple Beauty and Wellness Centers, Dr. Kristen Ma. So far, it's been a lovely sunny summertime. 
However, with this, many of us become concerned about sun damage that can lead to dark spots and discoloration. But before we get into how to treat and prevent this, let's take a minute to talk about how dark spots come about. The cells that dictate skin color are called melanocytes. These cells create and push out pigment between the deeper layer of our skin, called the dermis, and our skin's superficial layer, called the epidermis. Creating pigment is done through the production of melanin in a process called melanogenesis. Melanogenesis is thought to increase with UV exposure as a means of protecting our skin cell's DNA. This is why we tan. And tanning, in fact, is a form of skin damage. So it's not about stopping melanogenesis to prevent pigmented spots. It's about protecting our skin so our poor melanocytes don't have to do all the heavy lifting. But UV ray exposure is not all the same. UVA rays penetrate deeply, leading to signs of aging and have an equal intensity during all sunlight hours. While UVB rays are more superficial, causing burning and redness, and are most significant from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Both increase the risk of skin cancer. To protect against this and sun damage, it's important to use sunblock with a high SPF. Along with this, take shade breaks, cover up with a hat, and wear lightweight garments. But what do we do when we already have sun damage? Well, bleaches and peels can be effective, but you also risk damage from these agents, and some of these ingredients carry their own health risks. Instead, start by healing your skin rather than peeling or bleaching it. Rosehip and sea buckthorn oils are a good place to start. They bolster skin protection, contain antioxidants, and nourishing fatty acids. In study, rosehip itself has been seen to inhibit melanogenesis. So, now armed with this info on sunspots and how they come about, I hope you can enjoy the outdoors with more confidence and less damage. This has been Pure Beauty with Dr. Kristen Ma. Learn more and ask questions about holistic beauty and their wellness centers through their Facebook page at pureandsimple.ca. This segment should not take the place of medical advice. Always talk to your healthcare provider about personal health concerns. Alamax Canada is the company that delivers real bioactive stabilized allicin. Using only the freshest garlic from Spain, Alamax is the trusted source for a high quality and effective allicin supplement. The manufacturers of Alamax have dedicated their time to researching this fascinating plant and all of its antimicrobial and antibacterial benefits. To fight infection and stay well, take Alamax. For more information, visit Alamax.ca. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Megan Horsley is a registered holistic nutritionist, blog writer, and recipe developer. She's passionate about helping her clients discover their best selves with a holistic approach to their well-being with delicious food, movement, and thoughts. Megan loves witnessing the transformations that unfold, and she's a knowledgeable and entertaining writer for Tonic Magazine. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jamie? I'm good. The real warm weather, not the fake stuff. The real hot weather is finally upon us in the T-Dot, and that's great for so many reasons. But one of the things that comes with the hot weather is the need to drink. 
And, you know, there's other reasons that one might need to drink, and we can delve into that, too. But, but <laughs> the past that, couple of months, if, there, if the past couple of months are any indication. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but, you know, you're here to talk about what you might drink if you were trying to be healthy and drinking at the same time. And by drinks, we mean alcoholic and non-alcoholic, right? Yes, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, you're right. We just came out of two weeks of 31 degree weather in Toronto. And I'd say, yeah, for sure, I've been grabbing for more and more water personally, but I know that other folks <laughs> are probably uh, looking for other options aside from water. So you and I, you and I have chatted a lot about water on here. Yeah. Uh, we have a few water episodes, so if anyone's interested, please feel free to search for those in the tonic directory. But today we'll be talking about popular summer drinks to help us keep cool this summer. So first off, I think one of, I guess, the universal luxurious ways to relax and enjoy a hot day in the summer involves this image of lounging on a deck or a patio with a cold drink in hand. And often that cold drink is an alcoholic beverage, right? Yep. Yeah, you can agree to that. <laughs> yes, I'm not going to argue it. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love uh, cold cider from time to time. I'll be honest Me about too. that. But yep. the real question is, should we be relying on cold beers and wine to keep us hydrated through the summer? You can probably guess that the, the answer is no. Is no. Yeah. yeah. So alcohol in excess amounts, as we know, can be damaging to the liver and gut, and it can impede digestion, the immune system, which we know is a hot topic these days, and detoxification processes in the body. So depending on the kind of alcoholic beverages that you're having, the ingredients of the drinks can be problematic as well, um, aside from the whole alcohol content. So for example, if we look at added sugar in mixed drinks, so if you buy these like pre-made, bottled, or canned cocktail drinks, for example, yep. uh, added sugar is common. And generally speaking, they're not adding the better versions of sugar, such mm-hmm. as maple syrup or honey. Or agave. Uh, which would, yeah. Yeah. Or agave, yeah, could be another one too, which would at least give us some benefits of minerals and vitamins, right? I suppose. So, I mean, you have to <laughs> you have to really do some mental gymnastics to try and get your vitamins through cocktails, but okay. <laughs> Wait, but we know that they're not choosing better no, sources, right? No. Typically, it's yep. going to be refined sugar. Yep. So if you're someone, you know, who is looking to trim your body fat percentage, the addition of alcohol and sugar from these drinks isn't going to help your goal. Yep. And what I mean by that is if you're having a meal with your alcohol, the alcohol will be digested quicker than the food in your system. And this will be used as energy first by your body before your food is. So this is just a little side on the topic of alcoholic drinks. It's common to have a beer with a burger in the summer, or a beer with salad and burger at a barbecue. And so I want to mention this because I don't think a lot of people know that any energy that you could be getting from your food is potentially getting stored as fat if you are drinking alongside your meal. I didn't know okay? that. Yep. Oh, yeah. So it gets so alcohol gets digested a lot quicker. So it doesn't flow um, to the top of your tummy then? <laughs> No, okay. <laughs> whoever told you that is complete. No, nobody told me that. I was just in my head. I was imagining, you know, the, you cheeseburg- the cheeseburger sinks to the bottom and then the cider floats on top. In a perfect world, Jamie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now on the other hand, maybe you've been using diet sodas as a mixer in hopes that this will cut your calorie intake, right? This is a common thing to do. I'm not a big um, diet soda guy because of all the chemicals in it. Like I- I'm actually off soda. I don't have any of it. Good for you. Yep. Okay, good for you. In these sodas, in these diet yeah. sodas in particular, we have artificial sweeteners, yeah. as you know. And the common artificial sweetener that's used is aspartame. The big issue with aspartame, while it doesn't contain sugar, so 
seems like it could be a good option. It doesn't get metabolized, it, right? Yeah, it contains a compound, which is a really fun word to say, called phenylalanine. Yeah. La 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 yeah, Anything you can't <laughs> pronounce really isn't that good for you. No. And so what a lot of these companies have been doing is that they've been adding this to the ingredient list, which is good. Yep. What you need to know is that in high amounts, if you are drinking a lot of these, it can have an effect on the nervous system and it decreases serotonin and dopamine levels. If you're looking for something bubbly in a cocktail, the best thing to do is to get soda water or get a soda stream and make your own. And then there's no calories there. If you're looking for the fizz, if you need the fizz. Yeah, I agree with you. If you can make your own soda water at home, that's fantastic. Or even if you just buy sparkling mineral water, yep. even better. So some alternatives to all of those not-so-great ingredients that I mentioned. Yep. And an alternative to alcohol is kombucha. So we've talked about kombucha on here before. Mm-hmm. It's a gut-supportive, naturally carbonated drink. And it tastes great. And it is sweet. Now, one thing to note here is that in the process of making kombucha, you do use a lot of sugar, but the SCOBY, which is a colony of bacteria and yeast, actually will digest about 90% of that sugar. Yeah, it gets converted, you know doesn't that? it? Yeah, yeah. No, it gets converted, right? Mm-hmm. So well, it gets eaten up. So basically, you aren't intaking all of that sugar. If anything, you have about 10% left over. Now, what you want to look for on labels is that for, for most kombucha that you buy, so store-bought kombucha, mm-hmm. for about a cup, the sugar content should be anywhere from 4 to 7 grams. So that's normal. Mm-hmm. If you see anything higher than that, they've likely added sugar. I was going to say, like, there's kombucha, which is, you know, typically has a ginger flavor to it. But, you know, a lot of the brands out there, and God bless them, like, it's great products, but they're certainly adding sugar and flavorings to get, like, the more funkier flavors. Yeah. So it's not quite as healthy as pure kombucha. So you kind of have to watch for that. No, and you make a great point. I mean, you can definitely flavor kombucha by adding berries. You know, some yeah, companies but, but, will be but, doing that. But are they is the question. Right. No, and good point to bring up. If you really want to investigate, you can call these folks up. Yep. <laughs> Ask some questions. Sure. But the other thing, too, is if you're concerned about... Again, that sugar intake, if I find something is too sweet, I'll just add a bit of sparkling water, yep. you know, and it cuts it down a bit. Or you could make um, your own kombucha. My kids have tried that, actually. You can make your own, yeah. It's a bit of a chore, but it can be done. It's fun. Yeah, it can definitely be a fun project to do with kids as well. Another option would be making your own mocktails, which is something you you had mentioned. Yep. This is a great option for pregnant women or kids who want to have a, a fun, specially made drink, mm-hmm. right? So if you wanted to mimic a mojito, right, this is pretty simple to do. You add a bit of lime to some sparkling water, maybe a bit of stevia as a sugar-free option. Mint. And some mint yep. from your garden. Yep. Yeah. And you know from growing mint yourself that it grows like wild. They can really take over. If you're growing mint, (laughs) you're going to be looking for ways to use it. So, (laughs) yeah, mojitos are great. And, you know, of all the alcohols, if you decide you really need to have the alcohol and you're not drinking beer or wine, anything that's agave based, right, has the lowest amount of calories. So tequilas are the way to go. And the clearer the tequila, the lower the calorie content. So the, the best cocktail you could possibly have would be that with some soda water and lime. I would say. Right. Yeah, that could be a good option. We've covered alcohol. What other sorts of drinks could you make healthy going forward? Yeah, good question. So another common one in the summer, probably the second most common would be iced teas and iced lattes. Yep. Now, what I want to point out here in terms of ingredients to look for, obviously we want to address the fact that excess caffeine intake can be problematic if we're Mm -hmm. looking at your sleep cycle and again, liver health and immune system. But if you're going out to buy your 
ice drinks, so ice lattes and teas from cafes, you may not necessarily know what kind of ingredients they're using to sweeten your drink yep. or to add colors and add flavors. Or dairy for that matter too, right? Or dairy, yeah. So if we consider the grande vente drinks mm-hmm. of the world, sugar content is usually extremely high. Yep. Or they'll use sugar-free alternatives like aspartame. I can't think of emptier calories than one of those large drinks with whipped cream yes. or whatever. And even a famous hockey player's donut empire's frosted drinks <laughs> are like pure. I like, it's the like description. A, yeah, I know, right? So that's about as many calories as you could cram into a plastic cup as you could imagine. So, it's true. It's true. And it almost makes you wonder whether these companies are making it a competition, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's a concerning thing. Now, we've talked about artificial sugars and actual sugars. Another thing to look out for is sugar alcohols. So these are neither sugar nor alcohol. They don't actually contain either or in their chemical makeup, but they are formulated to taste sweet. So some of these would include erythritol, xylitol, mannitol. And these could be potentially good sugar-free options. They do come from, quote-unquote, natural sources, but often these sources are genetically modified corn syrup. So something to keep in mind there if we're looking at the overall long-term intake of these kinds of drinks right once in a while who cares but yep. long-term excessive could be an issue these ingredients can also cause digestive upset and inflammation so if you notice that you're running to the bathroom you know that could be a reason why you know i have sort of weaned myself off of sugar completely in any drink like if i'm having a coffee in the morning there's no sugar and i'm not adding sugar to anything and once you start doing that things naturally taste sweeter i find yes it's true Right. Like at at first, like you're a little numb to it and it doesn't quite taste right. But then, you know, after a few months of cutting out the sugar, you kind of don't miss it. Like I I don't even put it in the oatmeal in the morning. Like it just it's sweet enough. Yeah. Good for you. And you probably add berries, too. Right. True. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You'll be back next month. Yeah. Yes, I will. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. Yeah. We're going to chat about micro and macro nutrients. Yes, we are. Fantastic. That was Megan Horsley. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on the tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. At Caregiver Services Limited, we specialize in 12 to 24-hour private care for seniors in private homes, hospitals, or facilities. We provide the highest level of customized service for families looking for a caregiver or personal support worker. To ensure the highest quality of care and support, we limit the number of clients we service. Whether you're looking for general live-in care or have more significant needs related to mobility issues, dementia, or palliative care, finding someone who's a great fit is most important. At Caregiver Services Limited, our highly experienced staff specialize in meeting the unique needs of 12 to 24-hour care. For more information, please visit caregiverservices.ca. Let our family help care for yours. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. 
It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Julie Watson is a teacher, a mother, a voice for women and mental health, and a student of life. She's trained in fitness, yoga, and nutrition for over 20 years. She believes in fusing mind, body, and spirit to bring awareness to struggles and to create a deeper learning and growth. Julie is co-owner of Afterglow Yoga and Movement Studio in Toronto and a co-host of the Afterglow podcast that promotes challenging the systems of patriarchy and provides tools for women to embrace and create their most courageous self. Welcome back to the show, my friend. You got lots going on, yeah? I know. We really have uh, just turned on our heels during this crazy time. So let's talk a bit about that. You know, I'm, I'm interested in stories. I know a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who are doing good in the world, and you're one of them. So what's going on? What happened well, with the studio? I would like to think that we are one of them, but I think that, you know, in terms of what has happened during this pandemic, it was announced and we were like, okay, switch into high gear. So, yeah. you know, right away we just began recording classes and set up an online platform on Vimeo for $25 a month, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But really, we have been during this time, as you mentioned, we started a podcast during this time to sort of fill the space, but also, you know, it's, it's a really perfect time for people who have all slowed down to actually start to listen to the things that need to be heard right now. And so that's one of the things that we did is take our kind of activism in supporting females, female entrepreneurs, and we put it out there through this podcast. And so we're kind of excited about that. It's been a good, it's a silver lining through this whole pandemic, really. Well, you know, it's interesting. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who had to think very quickly and really had to sort of work their way through it. Like, you know, I'm a planner, right? But sometimes you can't plan. You have to move and, you know, it's scary, right? You have to make changes and change your core business just to move forward. But the nice thing about yoga it's not just the physicality, right? I mean, it's a lifestyle. So there's more to it than just, you know, coming to the studio and working through the poses. Absolutely. I've mentioned before, this has been a very big lesson in using our yoga tools to manage a time of uncertainty, to to learn how to deal with lack of control. I think that on behalf of all yoga studio owners and other businesses right now, I can honestly say this has been you know, a very big time of growth and learning in that area. So let's talk a bit about some of the tools and the ways that you're able to connect with your patrons and the people that take yoga at your studio. Connection has been the biggest thing, right? Right. So all of a sudden, doors are closed, people can't come together, they can't, you know, connect on a real-time basis. And so myself and my business partner, Liz, with Afterglow, you know, like I mentioned, we, we took it online and went on Vimeo, but people were also mentioning that they were missing that, like, you know, conversation. So I know right. a lot of yoga studios went on Zoom, which yep. was like a really good platform for people. And then teachers themselves, a lot of our instructors took to their own social media platforms. And so they created their Instagram lives, you know, so you go on and you could see people coming on and you can see people commenting and there may not be that back and forth, but at least there's that little bit of connection, right? Some of the instructors created their own Facebook groups and then participants can donate, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this has created a really big opportunity for actually instructors themselves to continue to offer their classes, but with like a larger platform. And then for studios who have always thought about, you know, a different revenue stream of going online, all of a sudden we're all online. 
Yeah, exactly. So what are some of the pros and cons of online? So obviously communication is different. It may not be better or worse, but it is different. Yeah. Well, the market is saturated. Yeah. So that is a con right there is that, you know, previously you would be able to access, you know, specific styles where the quality was really good, but there was a limited quantity. So, I mean, now you can access anything. So there's a pro. You can get, you know, classes that you may have taken when you visited New York that one time. Everybody is online, right? So there's the pro. But like I mentioned, it just means that there's so much online to choose from that the market is, is very saturated. And so there's the plus and the minus to this, right? Well, you know, it's an opportunity, I suppose. It's almost like an unlimited class pass, right? For those who don't know, class pass, mm-hmm. you, you know, you pay money to get classes that you can sort of transfer between studios. And if you're not sure about what style of yoga, for example, is suitable for you, you can try it once and then find the studio you love and carry on. And I think, I guess it's an opportunity for people to explore, you know, what style of yoga works for them or what instructor style works for them. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And you know, the membership model that we used to have in our yoga studios and fitness studios, it sort of has been dismantled right, right now, right? Course, yeah. So like you mentioned, so instead of, you know, going to the one yoga studio because you pay a membership and now you're dedicated to that studio, you do have the option of trying everything. And so it may not be trying to necessarily find your style. It may also be that, you know what, today I feel like working out hardcore and I'm going to log on to Peloton and I'm going to do a kick you know, spin or running or whatever it is that they have on their app. And then tomorrow I get to go on the Nike app. And then the next day I get to go to, you know, the Afterglow pre-recorded videos or whatever it is. So there is that bonus that you do get that opportunity to kind of mix and sort of cross train with your fitness routine. I know you like yoga outdoors because you've taught at my event, OMTL, but I also Mm -hmm. know you had, you used to have classes outdoors. Are you still doing that? We have had our free yoga in the park sort of every Wednesday night for the last four years. And we started doing that again. And then because we can't open the studio right now, and, you know, as announced in phase three, the GTA is not allowed to run our studios yet. We decided to take it outdoors. And so now we're actually doing our paid classes outside. A lot of studios have done this. And and we started off with the nine capacity as the 10 person being the instructor. Uh, But we're opening up that more now as things sort of start to loosen up, you know, around. And I think that this is a way that we can allow our members to sort of restart their memberships, use up their class passes that they have, and then also create the community that everybody has been lacking. Yeah. And that was going to be my next point. I mean, there really is a difference between sort of being with people, whether you're socially distancing or not. It's a different experience when you're in a class setting, you know? It really is. And, you know, a lot of people are, when they come to these classes, they're so grateful. They're so happy to be with other people, to be practicing. I mean, being outside is one thing. It's really great. But this is sort of the sad part, the unfortunate part of what the new studio format is going to look like and that when we reopen, it's we may be missing a little bit of that community feel, though you'll be together in a class. Well, let's talk about like plans to reopen because I think, you know, that's that's coming. Toronto isn't quite there yet. What do you envisage? Like, where do you see it going for studios? Well, you know, one of the things is that there's going to be the masks and there's going to be the plexiglass and there's going to be the arrows guiding you and there's going to be a lot of hand sanitizers. But unfortunately, it's going to look like you come in 
you know, you get your temperature taken, you sign your waiver, or you answer the questions each time that you are, you know, COVID-free. You walk into your class, you set up your mat, you take the class, and then you actually leave. And so a lot of the experience is really going to fall on the instructor during the class to create that community feel. So when you say plexiglass, do you mean in, in the studio, like in the actual class? or No. So I do know that some studios are actually creating like barriers between each station like, with plexiglass yeah. and that kind of thing. We are not doing that. And I know that a lot of yoga studios in particular are not doing that. But you know the plexiglass at the front oh, desk I see. when yeah, you yeah. come in, it's like, how do you make plexiglass as sexy as you can so that you can kind of make it look really good because it's an essential thing. It's actually in, you know, the new format where businesses, when they open, they have to, are required to have this. I missed an investment opportunity. I should have gone all in on plexiglass. Well, that's what I I was like, you know, a couple of things we should have invested in right before is like Netflix, plexiglass, like, you know, the masks. (laughs) Exactly. Zoom shares. That's right. So let's talk about the video. You're online now, right? Are you monetizing that or is it mostly free classes that you're doing? No, our online platform is, we're hosted on Vimeo. We looked at a bunch of different places and this was sort of the best route to go. And we charge $25 a month and we have like 40 to 50 videos that are pre-recorded. And so anybody can access that at any time. And so when this initially started, when the pandemic hit, this was a really great way to generate a little bit of income that could support us through, you know, some of our basic bills. But I do know that a lot of studios are doing like the Zoom classes. So when you log on, you're actually joining at a specific time to take that class and you're being charged a fee per class. Right. So with the Zoom classes, I suppose some of the benefits are because it's live time, an instructor can see if somebody's pose is you know, being done properly or, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, any corrections that can be done. Yeah. It definitely feels like there's a little bit more of a connection during the Zoom classes for sure. But then with the videos that you're talking about, I guess the benefit is, you know, you don't have to be there at any specific time. If you feel like doing yoga at two in the morning, I suppose you could. You could, you could definitely do that. The benefit of the pre-recorded for us as a business is that we're not managing everything. And, you know, myself and my business partner, we've got like seven kids between us. So it's like, during the time when everything shut down and our kids were still in school and doing all that stuff for us, it just worked out as a better platform. But I also think that, like you mentioned, you can log on at any time and find these classes, right? And so there's a benefit to all of it right now. And I think that one of the best things that's actually happened for businesses is that it has launched this online platform that a lot of us, I know that we at Afterglow had considered for a few years. Yeah. I mean, it's out of necessity, but sometimes the the best results occur out of necessity, right? There have been a few silver linings for us actually during this time. And I would say that one of the biggest ones is actually connections to other studio owners, especially in the East End for us where we're located. Yeah. There's less competition and there's more about how are we going to thrive together and how are we going to support each other and how are we going to lift each other up? So there have been a few silver linings through this time, I have to say. Well, I, th- I think the key component is I think moving forward, the really good instructors and the really good studios are only going to benefit. You know, it's the valuable brands. It's the ones that are actually bringing the added value of a good experience that will continue to thrive. Well, I would like to think so, and I would like to think that Afterglow is one of them. So I would say, you know, here's to a new normal. Here's to a new future in the yoga industry and in studio ownership industry. Well, I agree with you, and I wish you the best of luck. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. We'll have you back again soon. Thanks a lot, Jamie. appreciate it. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Caitlin Rave Karnak, Adar Shah, Megan Horsley, and Julie Watson. 
And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. During COVID-19, we're suspending distribution of the magazine, but Tonic's generally available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Next week on the show, we'll discuss micro versus macronutrients and exercise to support running and walking. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.